want Bearcats. I, I love the Bearcats. I like Luke Fickle. He brings the table. I like Bearcats. Lock in mid post. Great spin move. Reverse layup. Oh, oh. And it's good for Victor Lockett. What a move. Looked like Bill Walton out there. On back to throw. Looking. Scrambling. Passes. Intercepted at the goal line. The Bearcats have the football. Sauce Gardner picking off the pass as Cincinnati denies Notre Dame in the red zone. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. To Julius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. Double tight ends in for Cincinnati. Ritter will hand it off. Jerome Ford bouncing it to the left. There he goes. To the 30. Pulling away like Secretariat at the Belmont. Touchdown. Bearcats as Jerome Ford takes it to the house to give Cincinnati a three-score lead. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Go Bearcats podcast. As always, I am your host, Brandon, and for episode 75, I thought it was time to complete this sort of superfecta that I had been working on for quite a while now. Right from the gate, you can see my man here with us already, Mr. Mo Egger. How are you this evening? It took 75 episodes for you to invite me. Well, you know, I heard from some other people in the the media business. Um, Let's throw out the name um, Scott Springer. Oh, uh, let, let's hear. Uh, he said that you were a hard man to get a hold of. Uh, he's, he said that you would probably too, be too busy eating free lunches to come on the show. Free lunches. I'm I'm always busy eating. I, I don't know how many lunches are free, but hey, if you had Scott Springer, you don't really need me. But it's it's nice to be with you nonetheless. I appreciate that. The, the, the super effect I was talking about is I've had on Terry Nelson. I've had on Dan Horde. I've had wow. on Scott. And then you to complete this picture that you guys took out to eat one night, <laughs> the Utah Valley, I said you were the, oh, uh, yeah. the super effect there. The, the, the P.F. Chang's photo. Yeah, the P.F. Chang's picture. The, the best place we could find to eat in Provo was, uh, this isn't entirely true, but it was the, the best place we could find to eat dinner that served alcohol in Provo, Utah was, was P.F. Chang's. The four of us went and it was, uh, it was delightful. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I, I, we we kind of heard the heard a, a bridge version of that from Scott <laughs> right after the game, but uh, nonetheless, <clears throat> glad to finally have you on here. Uh, and before bef- we have a ton to talk about, even though it's it's the off season, uh, some people would maybe believe that we don't have that much to talk about. But I have <laughs> some uh, some UC basketball questions, some football questions for you as well, and then uh, on our our Discord, the Cats Keller Social Club, I. St- throughout that you were coming on the show and if people had questions for you they should uh submit them to me so i got i have some questions from the discord as well uh, i can't wait so kind to entertain us perfect oh yes absolutely yes no problem so before we get too far into everything the, the meat and potatoes of the episode if you will uh i do this thing mo called time for a beer so we will kick off the show with a brewery i've never experienced before who's your brewing out of greenville indiana Greenwood, I'm sorry. Greenwood, Indiana. I stand corrected. Home of the uh, tree tower. The tree? I have no idea what you're talking about. Enlighten us. <laughs> there's, a, there's a tower with a tree growing through it. I think it's in Greenwood. I think it's Greenwood, Indiana. Uh, look that up on the internet. I, I think there's I think they have a tree tower in Greenwood. I'm drinking a Lipton, Lipton lemon flavored iced tea. So big, big, big night here at the Egger household. I hear you. Now that might yeah. that might look more appealing than what I just poured. This is yeah. a, bl- a blueberry mango yogurt, yogurt parfait. Yeah, not um, happening. Nope. Yeah, 
Sorry, uh, something. something if I wanted strange. blueberry, if I wanted blueberry mango banana parfait, I would get that kind of ice cream. Nah, I'm, glass is cool, but now nah, I'm hard pass. That looks like that looks like a bad smoothie. That looks like the crap you drink when you're getting ready to have like a colonoscopy. So yeah, yeah it no does. Thanks. It looks like they. I dipped this yeah. out of the. Uh, the I hope over. it tastes better. Yeah. Yeah, it, it looks does. like. It's, it tastes way better than it looks. Blueberry for mm. sure. A little bit of mango. The color, uh, I would rate it a zero out of five. The taste, however, it's tart, not sour. Uh, okay. I kind of like it. I'd probably, on a scale one to five, I'd give it like three, seven, five, maybe here. Okay. All right. No, Very we'll, good. We'll, likely, we'll likely more effective than my Lipton lemon flavored iced tea. That's true. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're talking about beer, Mo. I, I know uh, you do some different shows and different promotions through mm-hmm. your show um, at different bars and places around town. Do you have a, uh, like a favorite brewery you go to in, on your off days or places that you like around town the most? I like trying. I like, I like, I don't get to as many as I used to. Uh, uh, having a, a child will do that to you, but um, God, I, my, my favorite one, my favorite one where I have found the beer to be most consistently good is uh, Fretboard and Bad Tom Smith. And I, I use the two sort of exclusively because they, uh, Bad Tom Smith has a, a very good bourbon that they also sell. Uh, and so I've, I've kind of gotten into when I go there getting the bourbon. But uh, I love, especially this time of year, a good Cerveza. Their Cerveza is very good. And uh, the cerveza at Fretboard is very good. The cerveza at uh, Rheingeist, which is called Morello's, is is outstanding. But mm-hmm. the two places that I have gone that I feel like uh, consistently crank out the best and most consistent beers, I think are are those two places. But I mean, it's the cool thing about living in this in this part of the country. You you can you can find something you like. I like Brink too in uh, in College Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really hard with all the breweries we have and the selection that all of them have, it's really hard to find something you're not going to like. And so I, uh, I've told people from other parts of the country, like if, if you like beer, the beer scene here is, is, is really, really good. As, as we sort of, uh, transition into everything that we're going to talk about today, I, I read earlier that, um, since he reigns, the NIL collective has a big partnership announcement tomorrow, uh, with Rheingeist. Any any sort of uh, clues as to what they're going to announce tomorrow? No, I honestly I I really haven't uh, done much beyond just the surface level you know reading, uh, so I, I don't know what that's going to involve. Uh, my I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like, and I'm I'm maybe speaking at a turn here. My understanding is uh, alcohol sort of off limits in terms of 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 what student athletes can endorse. So, okay. but but that but that that doesn't mean that Rheingeist or any brewery or whatever can't be involved. Um, so I'm, I'm curious since he reigns things seems to be really grainy, uh, growing in, in terms of momentum. And, and that's a good thing. And you get a local company like that, that has pretty deep pockets. I'm sure that uh, that can help, but be a good thing. Well, let's, let's sort of uh, transition here into let's, let's talk about UC hoops first and, and then we'll go maybe to, to the, to the football thing. That's mm-hmm. you know a little more timely. Um, I, I just kind of w- want to see what your thoughts are on, on coach Miller's growth or evolution as a coach since he's been here at UC? Well, I throw away the first season because, you know, he got the job and, and frankly, I would have said the same thing about John Brandon. Uh, I would throw away the first season because it's, 
I think what we've come to understand here finally, if you're a longtime Bearcat fan, they basically had two head coaches for the better part of three decades. That's insane stability. I mean, how many how many programs can you really say that about, right? I mean, you could you could say it about Duke. You could say it about uh, Kansas-ish, I guess, Syracuse. Yeah. Not that many. Uh, and so I think what we've come to understand here is, oh, yeah, this is what all those other schools were going through when they were constantly, constantly cycling through coaches. UC had Bob Huggins for 16 years, Mick Cronin for 13, Andy Kennedy there in the middle. It's basically two full-time head coaches for for three decades. Continuity, stability. Uh, you are never dealing with the upheaval that came with with a coaching change. And so I think what we have come to understand here is, God, yeah, when there's a coaching change, stuff gets sort of thrown off. And then you add to it pandemic. You add to it the timing. Uh, Mick Cronin left for UCLA weeks after UC season ended in 2019, John Brandon got the job, if I'm not mistaken, like April 14th, which is very late in the process, had to cobble together a, a coaching staff, cobble together a roster. And then, you know, you add to it the pandemic and, and then you add to it just the new sudden climate that we're in. Then there's another coaching change and another coaching change that came late. Wes Miller got the job kind of at the same time in mid-April. And now you throw the transfer portal at them and you throw a conference affiliation change and you throw NIL at them. Boy, there's, it, it, I, I don't know how Wes, frankly, won as many games as he did in that first season, given just the, the climate in college athletics and the just lack of stability that any coach would have uh, been been hampered by that first season. So I throw away year one. Year two, what did I see? I saw a better team. Uh, I saw a team that got better, you know, from what they were in November to what they were in March was, if not dramatically different, it was different. Uh, there were roster limitations. I don't think anybody would, would, would deny that. You know, they didn't have enough athleticism. They didn't have enough offensive firepower. Defensively, boy, they have some guys who maybe left a, a little bit to be desired, but I'm not sure that was totally unexpected, just relative to 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 what Wes, for lack of a better way of putting it, inherited. And that's not to say that he inherited bad players because David Julius isn't a bad player and Jeremiah Davenport's not a bad player. Victor Locken's certainly not a bad player. But, you know, they say in college basketball, get old and stay old. It's hard to do that when you have two coaching changes in two years and then you throw throw on top of it the, the transfer portal and, and NIL and everything. So... Uh, I really tried to put everything that I saw on the floor this year in the proper context of the first thing that has to happen is stability has to be achieved. I think that's starting to happen. Number two, they need to really, really tap into, um, you know, some some deep recruiting inroads. And I think at the high school level, they've certainly done that. They've swung big. They haven't gotten every player that we've been excited about them maybe getting, but they've gotten a few. And then hopefully they could have a good transfer portal haul. And I think all things being considered, maybe with the work still being done, C.J. Frederick is a Big Ten and SEC player who scored double figures on a very good Iowa team. Um, Seamus Lekosius, uh, I know less about him than the other two players they've brought in in the portal, but a Big East player who had a bigger role this past season for Butler. And Jamil Reynolds, I've watched a lot, and I think he's going to have to be in better shape. But I don't think anybody denies his his talent. That's that's really a pretty good 
uh, transfer portal hall on top of Day Day Thomas, who's going to come on top of Rayvon uh, Rayvon Griffin, who's who's going to come on on top of Jizzle uh, James, who's going to. That's that's a really good collection of newcomers who are going to be here. And so, all right, what what does Cincinnati need now? Well, uh, hopefully, better talent gives Wes a better chance to sort of put his fingerprints on a Bearcat roster. Hopefully, there's a little bit more stability moving forward. But I think more than anything. The last two years, what there hasn't been, aside from the Illinois game early in Wes's first year, there hasn't been that signature victory that has really gotten people excited about UC basketball. And for about 37 minutes on the uh, Saturday before the AFC championship game when they played Houston, I thought they were going to get it. They played great that day. They haven't had that sort of just, all right, here's the foundation of our program. We're going to build on top of this. This is going to get fans really excited. This is going to get potential recruits really excited. It's going to allow the players on the team to buy in. And part of that is a byproduct of the league. There's not that many opportunities in the AAC for those sorts of victories. That will not be a problem in the Big 12. They haven't beaten Xavier yet. They haven't, aside from Illinois, really beaten the the high major opponents on their schedule. They haven't beat Memphis. They really haven't won, you know, many games, if any, aside from Illinois, that they were underdogs in, that they weren't expected to win. And so you're kind of waiting for that. You're kind of waiting for that signature, okay, here we go. And now everybody take notice. Bearcat basketball is on its way to being back. They haven't gotten that, but I've never felt like God Wes is in over his head as a tactician. I've never felt like you know, Wes is in over his head in terms of the, the bigness and the expectations for the program. Um, I think the guys have played hard. I, I think for the most part, the players have gotten better and better uh, collectively. And I think, you know, look, you saw improvement this year. They were a more interesting team to watch this season. Uh, they They didn't have nearly as many offensive limitations as they did two years ago. They didn't gasp toward the finish line the way they did during Wes's first year. All of that represents progress. Now, what gets thrown at the program is significant uh, uptick in the level of competition. And so if they continue to progress, how much of of that is going to be kind of offset by playing a a much more difficult schedule? But I'm not going to say I've had no complaints because, you know, while they're losing to Houston, I'm sure if uh, you injected me with truth serum, I would say, boy, there's some things I don't like. But on 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 a macro level, I think Wes has done a pretty good job. And look, they're going to be fine as long as he brings in good recruits. And I haven't found anybody who doesn't think that Wes Miller can recruit. Yeah. You you hit on a couple things there. I got some follow-up questions here for you because you use the word stability a lot. And with, I mean, you see with, I mean, with uh, Jeremiah Davenport and then Micah Adams-Woods just recently announcing they're, you know, they hit the portal and have already found new homes. It seems like the definition of stability is much different now than what it was, you know, four or five, 10 years ago. Cause like this year we'll have seven new guys on our roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you know, when, when you throw out stability, I think, or that word, I think you kind of have to understand what stability is in this new transfer portal era, because yes. we, what we got, what's like, I got said six, seven, I don't, I, I've lost count eight new guys mm-hmm. coming in. Uh, I think we still got one roster spot open and plenty of rumors as to who will fill that spot. Uh, 
but I, I think you're right. And I also think that uh, when you're talking about big wins, we haven't had a, a big win under Miller, but also th- those opportunities have really been limited in the American. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. have the uh, like the early conference tournaments and wherever. Uh, that's where we got the, the Illinois win. And then you, you know, you have to sludge through the American when you don't have any, you know, quality wins or quality teams that people get up for except for Memphis and Houston. Hmm. Um, so... If I had to ask you, with all the turnover in uh, in the basketball program for this year, if I just, if I let you pick your starting five today, who would you go with? Well, I hope there's at least one more addition that yeah. could uh, change that answer. Um, huh, that's a very good question. I'll say CJ. I'll say CJ. I'll say Day-Day Thomas. I'll say Dan Skillings. I don't know that they want to play. Well, you know what? They went big midway through the season last year, and it kind of worked with Odie and Vic. Uh, I think Vic can play with another big. So do I go? See, I, I think Dan Skillings is going to be terrific. I think they you'll have to start Day-Day Thomas. I'll start CJ. Um... Let's go big at the outset of the season and play Vic and Jamil together. Now, I'm not married to that idea, but and part of I think the fact that Odie and Vic worked well so worked so well together is it was a little bit less JD and JD for all of his qualities. And I, I I'll defend Jeremiah Davenport to uh, anybody who want, who wants to come after him with you know with a pair of knives. I. Uh, I think there was sort of a law of diminishing returns thing with JD where it's like, if you, if you lessened his role, you could maybe get a little bit more out of him and you can hide him defensively a little bit easier. But I think Vic could play with another big. Uh, I don't know that that's how Wes is going to want to do it, but I mean, is, is, is last year's team too good to have three new dudes come over and start immediately? I don't, I don't think, think so. the answer is yes. So yeah. I'll, that'll be, I'll start with that, but I'll admit that if, if I'm in charge of things, I really want to see how that works out when practice begins. And I mean, look, I, ideally, ideally they could play in, you know, more than one style this year and they can go small and we'll see how Lukosius maybe impacts that. But I'm a big CJ Frederick guy. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Luca Garza getting him shots with Iowa certainly helped, but on what was at the time the most fun to watch offense in college basketball in 2020, aside from maybe Dayton, you know, CJ really helped that team in his first full season. So I'm a I'm a big fan of his. I'll say that Skillings has to make a big leap this year. And I think he's capable of it, but there was just too much, you know, inconsistency, you know, from game to game, sometimes even from half to half. It felt like you didn't know what you were going to get, but that I'll say that's my starting five. But you know, maybe there's a a kid that remains to be seen who's not here yet that could change that. Okay, all right. So last basketball question, and this is kind of uh, this question sort of made its rounds uh, by UC fans throughout social media. And you know, we we brought up Davenport, we brought up Micah Adams Woods, both four year guys, definitely put mm-hmm. their time in as Bearcats. Uh, on, on senior day, they they were not honored in the traditional way. And then now they have transferred out and we didn't really get that send off for them. And is there a a better way to make this happen? So they sort of get their moment. 
Bearcats, to be honored as Bearcats? You know, I, I think retroactively, yes. Um, I think in real time, you're just not going to have many programs who are like, look, here's a guy that we might run off. Not to say that that's what they did with either player. Or here's a guy that's, well, we don't think he's all that happy. So let's bring him out here and give him a, a picture of himself playing in the game. I don't know that, that that's going to happen. You know, I, you can certainly do the sort of thing where if a player's like, look, I'm going to put my name in the draft. You know, Paul Scruggs at Xavier had two, had two senior days, you know? Um, I remember many, many years ago, Kentucky honored Wayne Turner and he wasn't a senior because he, he knew he was going to the draft, but I I don't now retroactively when uh, Jeremiah and Micah are, are finished with their college basketball careers. Could you bring those guys back for a game? Yeah. And, and I, I hope that happens, uh, especially JD, because because he's from here. I would like mm-hmm. to think um, that those players will always be welcome back. They played here, you know. It, it, it's it, college basketball in many respects is like pro sports. If uh, you know Todd Frazier played for the Reds uh, when he went to go play for the for the Mets and for the Pirates and 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 for uh, for the Yankees. You know, when he came back, the crowd still gave him a really nice ovation. And guess what? Todd Frazier came back for opening day this year. He was welcome back. Just because you go play somewhere else doesn't mean you're not welcome back into the fold. And so I, I don't know why that can't happen. And then, you know, if you want to do something formally and, hey, JD is back or, you know what, last year Jeremiah Davenport finished his college basketball career or Micah Adams-Woods finished his college basketball career, but they started as Bearcats. They played here for a while, and so here they are. I, I – I don't think anybody, anybody reasonable, I don't know that anybody would have uh, a major issue with that. But in real time, I just don't think you're going to have many schools that are like, you know, look, well, we don't know if this guy is going to come back. So uh, here he is. And then I just don't think that's going to happen too often. I like the idea of bringing him back. That's that's not something that's I've seen too many people bring up. So I, I like that. Uh, hopefully they can figure something out. A.J. Green left the Bengals, and then he was representing them at the draft. Like, you make your mark, you go do your thing, you come back. Uh, Those are two players. uh, Do do I wish Jeremiah Davenport wouldn't shoot it with the same frequency that he did? Sure. Uh, Those are two players that, you know, you always say you want, you know, good dudes who represent the school well and play hard and care, and those guys did. And I, I... I said this on Twitter. I think the majority of people looked at Jeremiah Davenport and said, good UC career. Is he an all-time great? No, but good UC career. Played hard. Um, I I saw some of the abuse that people were aiming at him, and I said, you know, if, if I were a player looking to come, maybe to come to Cincinnati, I would say, well, wait a minute. That's, that's how some fans treat their own in Jeremiah Davenport. Is that really a place that I want to go? But – I was probably speaking to a very loud and kind of very stupid minority. I think we understand the reality of how college sports works. These guys have a chance to go somewhere else, go somewhere else. To me, it doesn't diminish what they accomplished and what they accomplished means they, they, they can always be welcome back. So let's transition to, to football here. Now, Mo, we, we spent a decent amount of time on basketball there. Uh, I mean, just to get things kicked off here, just what are your impressions so far of, of Satterfield? Uh, heck of a guy. 
I mean, I, uh, I was lucky enough to do a live interview with him moments after his introductory press conference, and I could have sat there for 20 minutes and probably talked about a bunch of non-football stuff. Uh, and so, you know, what I had heard from folks in Louisville was very personable, down-to-earth guy. Uh, you're really going to enjoy talking to him. But then, okay, can he coach? I don't know. Here's what I do know. It certainly feels like in a very short amount of time, they've done some really good recruiting work. Now, you know, again, um, a, a, a coaching change is never easy. Luke Fickle won four games his first year. And if you look at that first season, he was probably four plays away from finishing 1-11. Uh, Butch Jones, you know, say what you want about Butch. I wasn't the huge, the, the biggest Butch fan, but he had two really good seasons. His first year, he went four and eight, and that was in, you know, uh, coming off uh, an undefeated season. So, uh, that first season, a lot of times is it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And then you add to it, they're moving to a, a better league too. So I think the expectations will be and should be tempered, but I, I, I do think the big 12 gave them. Uh, did him a favor. There's no Texas, no TCU. There's a lot of coin flip games. They get Oklahoma here. Uh, and so, you know, all right, what do we make of those coin flip games? Do they beat Baylor? Do they beat Iowa State? Do they, do they beat Oklahoma State, Kansas? A lot of those games that right now I think you're really having a hard time saying either way one team or the other is going to win. It's going to be fascinating to me to see if uh, they can win games 17 to 10 in the Big 12 because that's what they're going to try to do right? They're going to try to play ball control, win it with their defensive front and not turn it over. Uh, that, that formula is maybe not as reliable in this era of college football than 20 years ago. And then you add to it the way the game is played in the big 12, we're going to find out, but on a, on a sort of a large macro level, it feels like every day from people who I read or follow who are really in tune with recruiting, it feels like the Bearcats are, you know, getting, they've generated a lot of momentum. What Where you haven't really felt it is locally, and that's interesting, and that's that's not a criticism. Uh, you can find great football players everywhere, but on the heels of what Luke Fickle did with all of the Cincinnati area kids, I think you're being fair if you go, you know what, isn't it just easier to to get guys from Cincinnati to stay in Cincinnati and then win in the Big 12? And we'll see if, if over the course of the next couple of years, uh, that's the case. But in the area where it matters the most, you know, these guys now, you've got to re-recruit your kids who can hit the portal. You've got to cobble together a recruiting class very, very quickly. And then you've got to get started almost immediately on the next year. It feels like this coaching staff has done a pretty admirable job of doing that. And and that's that's encouraging. So, uh, a lot of great points there. You know, you're talking about coin flip games. DraftKings has the Bearcats win total at four and a half. What do you think? What do you think? So I, I said on my show the other day, there is a difference between a guess and a bet. Mm-hmm. So my guess is they finish with five or six wins. I wouldn't bet on that. Th- th- there are too many coin flip games, including probably Pittsburgh on the road. Yeah. So um, to go over four and a half, they're going to have to win five. So you assume they win the, the FBS game. EKU, or I'm sorry, the FCS game. You assume they beat Miami. Okay, there's 10. They got to find four out of the 10. Can they go four and six in the other 10? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you bet yes. Tons of unknowns. Are we buying into Emory Jones? Formula that, 
you know, let's be honest, the way the sport is played in the Big 12 kind of flies in the face of what their formula is supposed to be. Are they going to be able to come back and beat teams when they're built to win games 17 to 13? Um, Coin flip games come down to, you know, a player two in the fourth quarter. I, I just, that is a hard, hard stay away for me. I love you know, I know a lot of folks are going to see it and go, four and a half, all you got to do is get to five and seven. Uh, you're going to have to, like, definitively tell me the games they're going to win. The last couple of years, we could do this exercise. I, mean, I remember last year saying, like, boy, if they beat Arkansas, tell me who they're going to be underdogs against, right? Well, yeah. they didn't beat Arkansas, but I, we could do that exercise. I don't know that they would be projected to be favorites in many games right now. And so... If they're not going to be favored in five of their 12 games, that's a stay away from me. Or if you're making me make a wager, I think the safe money is on the under. Look, it's it's hard when there's a coaching change. It's harder when there's a coaching change in the transfer portal. It's even more difficult when there's a coaching change and you're changing leagues and moving to a better one. So uh, I like a lot of what I'm hearing about the coaching staff and from the coaching staff. But there's a difference between a pick and a wager. A wager to me is I'm I'm wagering an amount of money that matters. I want to win this bet. Do I trust this team with all its unknowns to win this bet right now? I don't think the answer is yes. By the way, that, that could change by the time we get to August and have a better sense. I mean, rosters aren't even finished yet. So, right. uh, you know, and, and by the way, everything I had heard about Emory, Emory Jones was in practice leading up to the spring game, total disaster and then I, I went to the spring game and he played fine I thought so, so too. yeah so we'll see but but again like you're making me make a wager I don't know that I'm wagering over four and a half okay all right so let me ask you this if I'm going to make you take another wager if uh-huh. I give you Texas and TCU or the field which one are you taking to win the big 12 huh that's a good question um hmm that is a good question I think I'm getting the best two teams if I take TCU and Texas. So I only need one to win it. I'm getting mm-hmm. the best two teams. I think I would take those two. So a solid. I don't. I, I don't know which one I would take. I just. I, I think that's Again, interesting. I, I, you know, it's like you throw questions at people, and it's it, like, uh, here's what I think now. But if I really had time to think about it, maybe I'll change my mind. But I, I think I'd feel comfortable if you gave me TCU and Texas. Uh, I think I'd feel okay about my chances. All right. So last, last football question before we get into some like quick ones from the peanut gallery here. Uh, give me your opinion on, on the biggest home game we have this year. I, I'm probably going with, with Oklahoma to kick off the big 12. Sure. Right. I mean, when we started to talk about the big 12 many years ago, what did we all envision? Oklahoma and Texas coming to Nippert stadium. Well, Texas probably never coming to Nippert Stadium. Oklahoma's probably going to come once. Let's go. I mean, that that as as a visual and as an event in the the Big 12 opener. I mean, are you kidding me? That's that's going to be that's going to be fantastic. You know, they played here in 2010. They had to play at Paul Brown Stadium, yep. which was you know, the, the DJ Woods dropped like five passes game, but uh, I nothing against DJ, but uh that to me is just as an event, that's going to feel like 
all right, they're not in the AAC anymore. They're in the two lane, nothing, the two lane beat them, but in the two lanes not rolling in here, and uh, Tulsa's not coming in. ECU, like now it's it's big boy, big time football, and you know, sure, you wish, I guess, that they were going to play Oklahoma every year, but that that's going to be a really, really cool day. So that that to me is the one that I'm, that's the one that I'm most looking forward to. Same, same. So let's just make these questions. I'll ask you three or four of them here. We'll, we'll see if we can't make them quick for you and get you out of mm-hmm. here. Uh, yeah. First one for Max. What's your, your go-to cigars or ones you like for special occasions? Uh, for special occasions, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm one of these uh, people who sucks up to them. My favorite cigar to purchase in Cincinnati is the Jeff Ruby Boss. Okay. Uh, it's a, it's a Rocky Patel cigar. It is my absolute favorite. Uh, if you could ever find a Partagas Lusitania, which they're hard to find, that is a terrific special occasion cigar. Um, I'm sort of old school. So any sort of Monte Cristo, I don't love the white series because they don't, they don't have a ton of flavor to them, but any Monte Cristo cigar is really good. My sort of like, I'll buy a box, and that's sort of my jam for the next couple of months. Perdomo 20th anniversary are uh, terrific. I like the uh, La, La Gloria Cubana. Maduro is is really really good. But like, if if you're, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm getting married. I I want a great cigar with my best man. I'll say this, and maybe Jeff Ruby will send me some. The Jeff Ruby Boss is just an unbelievably good cigar. So that's. That's uh, that's probably my uh, that's probably my like my answer to that question. All right, for sure. So th- this one's from uh, Nick Moscato in the Discord. If you could add one sport that the Big Twelve has but UC does not, what would it be? Does the Big Twelve have women's softball? Yes. Yeah, I want women's softball. Yeah, it's like pretty, that looks it's really big. Yeah, I, you know, I watch, I watch those games on uh, on ESPN of the, the women's uh, college World Series. Like that just looks fun. Uh, that that to me, I I say this as a bit of a hypocrite because I always say I'm gonna go I'm gonna, I'm going to go to more UC baseball games and then just life gets in the way. But I love going. I wish I could go more often. I I wish I wish we were in a warmer weather city where like you would want to go more often in in March when the season's getting underway. But uh, I I I think it'd be a lot of fun. If, if they had softball here and uh, they could have a team that could, you know, compete at the highest level, that, that would be, that would be kind of cool. Uh, f- your, your wall of memorabilia there sort of plays into this question. Do you have a, a yeah. favorite Cincy sports item or a piece of memorabilia that you own? Do you have a favorite? Um, yes. Hang on, hang on. So I got, I just got these. So this is my new favorite. This is a program from the last ever game in the history of the Cincinnati Royals. And what I like about this is it has the updated game notes. And there's a little, uh, there's a note here from the press guy, Bill Miller, acknowledging that this is it. We're done. I'm sorry to see this come to an end. Uh, we will miss you, but we will always be rooting for you. And this this guy was he was not going to follow the team. Uh, he was he was not going to be following the team to uh, to Kansas City. So uh, this is 
Kurt, because I love royal stuff. In fact, if I can get the camera, if you look, pardon my daughter's slide. Sure. But but over there in the corner, next to the to the left of the the game used Cedric McGowan jersey, and how many of those do you have? Is an advertisement for Royals basketball on 700 WLW. It's got the the two announcers. It's got the the team picture with Oscar Robertson in it. The full schedule. Um. That's uh that that ended up being a, a very sort of rare find that I I've been looking for something like that for years and uh, a woman by the name of Callie at the sports gallery, uh it ended up in her store and uh, she charged me, I ended up having to give her a kidney, uh, <laughs> so I love royal stuff so those uh, those uh, there's also a picture over here of Dan Horde and I smoking cigars in front of Touchdown Jesus, after we beat Notre Dame that was very oh that, that nice was touch. pretty cool. I yeah. Like yeah. I, uh, my wife got that frame for me. So that I, uh, I am, but yeah, there's some okay stuff, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. The, the background when, when I post this, it is sure to draw attention. So I, th- I thank you for sharing <laughs> that two, two yeah. questions here for you left and then I'll get you out of here. Uh, mm-hmm. both, uh, in, having to do with music. So if you could put together, if you could put people, groups, bands, whatever it is as a double headliner in your dream concert, what what two are you picking? So I'm old, and uh, my music tastes haven't evolved since I was eight years old. So uh, my favorite two bands are, are Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band and the Rolling Stones. Uh, it's a good concert. So, and like both known for awesome live shows, both known for playing great live. I mean, I saw the Stones two years ago in Nashville. Mick Jagger is, I think, now 80. Uh, they had just lost Charlie Watts, the drummer a few weeks prior. Uh, those are my favorite two bands. And, you know, again, like I know it's, I'm at some point, like my wife is always on me. Like at some point you, you have to like find artists who are, have, have made music in the 21st century. And I like, she crushes me for this. I'm also, I've also become a really big country music fan. So like, you know, I, I love going to see Eric church in July, but like, if you said to me, two artists in the history of time. My favorite two are, are Bruce and the stones. And then I'm going to get a five hour show that is just absolutely going to rock. So absolutely. Uh, that's my answer. And I know it's lame. So a final question that this was submitted today and Justin Williams gave a, a whole dissertation on, on this topic on the Cincy Slangen podcast. Uh, do you have a favorite Taylor Swift song? Uh, yeah. Um, style. It sounds. I'll go with it because I've never heard it. I'm not a huge fan of myself. I yeah, that's so. so like I'm not. So. Uh, you know, I really like that song "Picture to Burn," which came out like when Taylor Swift was first when she was like a, a country artist. Uh, but that song style, like that, and I'm not. I don't know off the top of my head a ton of like I couldn't name Taylor Swift's deepest cuts, but that song style, is it style or out of style? I don't know. That's a good tune. Close enough. I like yeah. that. Yeah, no, that 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 came up uh on an outdoor playlist this weekend. And I I like that one. That's that's pretty good. I'm not going to see Taylor Swift though. That that doesn't really interest me too much. Perfect. Mo, I appreciate your time. I'm sure people that will uh, tune in will enjoy it as well. Uh I will not wait 75 episodes to invite you back again. Uh and hopefully you will be generous enough with your time and uh maybe we'll get something in season next time. Let me know. You know how to get a hold of me. Thanks. Will do. Mo, have a good night. All right, man. See ya.